Sandy. How is life? It's been a whole <laughs> week. Yeah. Someone said to me that they have not been able to stay on top of our episodes in this new world of no time. And I was like, do you know how hard it is to come up with a fucking topic every week? It's like, I just talked to Sandy. <laughs> what do you mean we have to do this again? I know. I know. You know what? It's funny. Uh, the thing about time shifting the thing that really gets me, I don't know why, but I noticed it during exam time. I was just like, does anybody else feel like every day is garbage day? <laughs> like, is anyone else there with me? Because <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like I'm always taking out the garbage. And I'm like, when is it not garbage day? I didn't feel like that before COVID. But now I do. I'm just like always taking out the garbage. And I'm just like, when does it end? Yeah, <laughs> That's the thing for me. But yeah, it is. It's difficult to think about, you know, we're always, uh, you know, before the show, uh, as we've described before, we often just come up with the topic just before the show. And it's, I think it's getting harder. <laughs> because <laughs> We're like, you know, what's happening in the world? Well, everyone's still inside. Or not, according to the Trinity Bellwoods news. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. This week, much the same as last week. Yeah. The weather was different here, which you don't even have that benefit. Nope. Weather was exactly the same. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. We're just like suspended in time with the only thing to look forward to. It's so wild. It's like I used to have things that I was looking forward to. And now the literal only thing I'm looking forward to is maybe someday this will end. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I was um, I was so I'm just thinking about the things that I was excited about before COVID, like I was about to to do a bunch of going to a bunch of cities for the for the book that we released, and then uh, you and I were thinking about going to Edmonton this summer, and then to Nova Scotia this summer, uh, and yeah, I guess none of that's happening. So you know, week to week will be exactly the same, except this week I got my taxes done. So for everyone who hasn't done that yet, it is a relief to get that done. Yeah. So um, if you want a bump in a, a, a shift, a little bit of a shift. <laughs> I recommend it, I guess. <laughs> you should call it self-care and then, like, sell it, the idea for, like, five bucks to, like... Oh, shut up. <laughs> That's terrible. Actually, you know what's amazing is that the liberals never came up with that. Taxes as self-care. That sounds like the most, <laughs> yeah. the most schemey thing. The most schemey thing. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. I hate. They can have that. If they took that, I wouldn't even be like, you guys stole that from me. I'd be like, yes, that's exactly what I expect from you. <laughs> anyway, we have some people to thank. Yes, we do. We have a lot of people to thank. I saw, I, I took a look at the Patreon um, yesterday, I think, and I was just like, I felt, my heart felt so warm and I felt so grateful. So I'm really happy uh, that so many people are supporting us right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And I know that there are, like, among the names that I'm going to uh, read this week, there are some very longtime listeners uh, and who we appreciate and who we are in regular contact with. And there's also a lot of folks who have just found the podcast. Um, a lot of people uh, don't 
know that I'm just like a shit posting Twitter user uh, and have seen like the work that I've been doing around long term care. Um, that is that is normal work that I do, but not necessarily in the long term care system. And so uh, I know a lot of folks have found the podcast through that. So I want to say, hey, hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> We hope that you like the podcast, and if you don't like the podcast, we hope you at least hate listen to it, because that's cool, too. <laughs> and maybe tell us why you hate it. We might be influenced. There was a guy who um, posted on Twitter that he just despises our show, and he listens to it all the time, and he can never get through a whole episode. And I wanted to respond and be like, what the hell? But I didn't. And so if you're listening, and he said that he only listens to, like, like as much as he can stand, so... My friend, if you're still listening to us right now, just get at us on Twitter and be like, hey, and then explain yourself. <laughs> or like buy a guitar or something and get another hobby. It's, I know <laughs> it's really boring right now. Like life is boring for some of us, but you know, why waste your time doing something you hate? Like, unless you secretly love us. This is what I'm thinking. I think it's that. <laughs> I think it's that. <laughs> okay. So who are we thinking? This week, we have got to say thank you to Stephanie, to Corey, to Christine, to Margaret Ann, to the Ghost Story guys, to, Fa to Franny French, who I believe is a friend of ours from L.A. Yes, I remember meeting her in L.A. Oh, that's so wonderful. Glad that you're still around and hopefully someday we will do that Canada Sucks tour in uh, in Western um, United States, Northwestern United States. And hell, we'll go back to L.A. and do it too. Um Steve, Marianne, Kate, Lauren, and Steve, I want to say as well, has been a long and loyal listener. So thank you so, so, so much for um, coming along to the podcast uh, on the Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate that. So that's everybody. The other thing I have to mention is that promotion for my, my book that's coming out in the fall is still on. You can still get it at 15% off with a secret code, which is fight back, all one word. You can buy that from Fernwood Books. So just Google Fernwood Books. The book is called Take Back the Fight reorganizing feminism for the digital age. And um, if you want 15% off, you got one more week to get that. There will probably be another 15% off sale, but far into the future. And as we said, the future is meaningless. So, I mean, you might as well get that now uh, if you want to make sure you don't lose uh, that 15% code. Okay, I have one more thing before we get into the substance of what we're going to talk about today. Okay. There's been a few listeners who have reached out to us after our college and university episode where we talked about how people in the academy could be focusing their work on the impacts of what's happening right now uh, with respect to COVID-19. And uh, some of y'all have reached out saying that that uh, really impacted the way that you are now approaching your work and have shared with us the way that your work has changed uh, to make sure that as you engage in the academy and you have uh, these resources available to you, that you are doing work uh, that is going to help us understand um, and help us recover maybe uh, from what's happening right now. And so what a wonderful thing to hear how uh, our discussion about that has impacted some of you. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. And thank you for those of you who have reached out to tell us about uh, those initiatives. They're so great. And I think that they're going to have uh, long lasting impacts. And it's just cool. It's just cool. Uh, I love it. Totally. When when there's more like outcomes to share with everybody, we will make sure that that stuff's shared because what's coming is hopefully very exciting and cool. All right, what are we talking about today, Nora? <laughs> we are talking about 
the her story of the she session oh stop. of the she economy. Stop. I can't stand you. <laughs> <sighs> oh my God. Fuck you. <laughs> that was so funny. I know that you know that that would make me so annoyed. <laughs> I wasn't even sure I could remember all those fake words. <laughs> what Nora is trying to say <laughs> in the most uh, language ever obnoxious. is that uh, obnoxious is a word, but is also an expression. Um, <laughs> is that uh, the liberals have recently been talking about um, how they've discovered that this is a recession that uh that is is really impacting women and they are calling it thus a she session i know they're not the only ones calling it a she session but whatever they're calling <laughs> it a she session and they want to help to fix uh the i'm not going to say it again they want to help to fix that <laughs> by uh focusing on policy that's going to help women and we want to talk about that I mean, do we want to? <laughs> I mean, we have to. We, we have, have to, to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, I, you know, while you were talking, I did think of a new word. I think femnoxious is not a terrible new word. I'll think about it. <laughs> I didn't recoil immediately, but I'll think about it. I just feel like there's a certain kind of woman that that would be perfectly... <laughs> Perfect to use for. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, lo and behold, uh, this economic recession. I mean, people keep talking about this recession as if it's not like the biggest thing that's ever happened. They're like, oh, wow, job losses, the biggest since the war. And it's like, no, no shit. <laughs> no fucking shit. <laughs> Everything shut down for six, six weeks. Of course, it's the biggest thing. When was the last time that happened? Oh, this is so much bigger than 2008. No shit. 2008, there was no pandemic and we didn't have 6,000 people die as a result of what mm -hmm. we're encountering. So there's all these kinds of like this process of like of this, this retelling of this narrative of how historic and historic and historic. And, and one of the historic things that has happened in this recession that has never happened before in Canada is that women have been particularly hit by the economic losses of the recession. What a new phenomenon. Mm. I mean, <laughs> what a new thing! It's um, and, and, and the and the thing that's just so wonderful about it all is um, the way that it's being reported from the Canadian press. I know the Toronto Star's reported about this. CBC has also talked about it too. Is it's so in in such a quintessentially mainstream way that they talk about women? So like the thing that has been the worst on women in this in this crisis is. Childcare. <laughs> oh my God! Didn't uh, didn't the liberals promise um, that they were going to implement a child a national childcare program? Um, I don't know, fifty eleven times in the last two thousand years. <laughs> so it's coming. So it should be. It, this problem will be solved, right? Because it's clearly it's on its way. It's been on its way. No. 
it is so interesting. Like, aside from the fact that we shouldn't be thinking of childcare as a woman's fucking issue, it's like it's an issue for parents, it's an issue for communities, it's obviously a child issue, <laughs> um, and it's an economic res- issue because the economic benefit of one childcare worker is enormous. They have, f- like, they put far more money into the economy per per uh, individual that is hired to work in childcare because of the spinoff effects of having the parents at, at work than someone that's in construction. So I think that we actually need to be thinking about childcare in a much broader way, which I'm sure all of our listeners already do, right? But this just shows how completely terrible the liberals have been because you're right that they've promised child something. Now, the NDP was the one pushing for a proper system. And the reason why the NDP was pushing for a proper system is because when you have an actual system that allows you to coordinate, to fund at similar levels, and you get closer to what is an ideal. So in in Quebec, where there is a childcare system, there's of course gaps, there's of course people that are left out, but more than 70% of children have access to the public childcare system and the private system is able to pick up the slack where the public system isn't. And when you talk about making it better, you can make it better to get the rest of those kids into the public system. That doesn't exist anywhere else in Canada. And so the liberals, what they did, and this has been their crowning kind of parental promise has been to give parents money through the universal childcare benefit. And so every couple of months, every parent in Canada gets money. And this is a fucking bullshit conservative approach to childcare because it says that the parent who knows best can then decide where to place their money and, and then it sidestep the whole responsibility of the society to build an actual child care system. And then the liberals were like, that is the single greatest measure that we introduced because we got people out of poverty. And lo and behold, where are we today? That fucking benefit is just extra money. No, like I would suspect that most parents are not putting it into child care because most parents have their kids at home right now. And it, it like it's so like all of the people who are just like, this is great. This is great. This is great. Mostly liberal economists uh, and liberal activists. It's not it's not great. And this is the exact moment in time where you see that it it is absolutely not great. But this is a rant because this is this is such a small part of this of the she session that, that we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you hate that word, Sandy? Well, OK, several reasons. But the first initial thing that came to mind was just how myopic its fo- focus is. Like, this is not um, a uh, just a she session. It's a uh, God I <laughs> made me say it. <laughs> It is not a recession that is just impacting like women and the focus shouldn't be just on women in in that way. Those of us who are working low wage service jobs who are often racialized black indigenous people are also being hardest hit by this. It is literally all of the people who we marginalize in society who are being hit the hardest by this and uh, economically and also in terms of their health. And talking about it as a just a simply a, a she session ignores all of those people and it means that the government isn't thinking about implementing things on a grand scale to solve those problems that are part of our uh, economic uh, crisis 
and the way that our society was built improperly in the first place. And so what I mean by that is it's like, okay, so if you think about this as a recession only affecting women, then, you know, you get together uh, uh, Justin Trudeau and Miriam Monsef, and then they will announce something to do with childcare, something to do with uh, uh, supporting women maybe being retrained or something like that, instead of discussing things that are going to impact all of the low-wage jobs that make people live in precarity in the first place, which will affect both women and people who are marginalized economically uh, and socially in our society, like implementing a living wage across the board, like making sure that all of our social services are universally accessible and without user fees and so on. You know, like the, the types of things that Nora and I are, are constantly talking about that will give people uh, a sense of security, that will reduce the type of precarity that people are, li- are living in and will seriously help uh, us as individual people coming out of a uh, this like the most terrible recession that we've experienced and a, a focus that is just on women. I'm so like, it's, it's necessary, of course, to recognize that women are differently, uh, um, affected by the way the economy is changing. Absolutely. But a singular focus like that, uh, does not, uh, address all of the disparities, uh, that, uh, occur when something this drastic is happening in our society. It also like completely tries to separate the pandemic from the economic reality, which is just so convenient for politicians because then they don't actually have to marry the two together, which we absolutely need to. So like who has been hit the hardest by the by the crisis? Obviously, people who are working in the healthcare system, people who are working as orderlies or as uh, patient attendants, um, as doctors and nurses Uh, And then as frontline service workers, bus drivers, people working at grocery stores, like, as you said, these are jobs that are that are gendered. They are they are they are racialized and they are classed in this country. And so um, people who've lost their jobs, like, obviously, that's a big part of the economy and economic recovery is to get these people back to work. But you can't get people back to work under normal conditions because we don't live in normal conditions. And so like a national child care program is not going to work right now when child care is closed. (laughs) Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it just seems like this, the, these like ideas that we can talk about now because they're actually not the most pressing thing at this moment. Like that if, if we had a flip of a switch that we can put on tomorrow, is it a childcare system that we would fix or would we we'd, like training way more nurses and patient attendants or would we be boosting the hell out of their salaries and in, in their working conditions or would we be building way better uh longer term care long-term care facilities or elder care facilities or 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 facilities for people uh, for residential care where no one has to share a room or more than one person doesn't have to share a room you know like the the this whole idea that that the the that you can essentialize the role that women play in the economy as being first of all one kind of woman uh, is yeah, representative so, of all experiences is, is bullshit. So and then the second of all is that the reality is that women are bearing the brunt of this uh, crisis, but it's not all women. It's racialized women. And then it's not just women. It's racialized men. And then it's white women. You know, it's like this is very obvious stuff. I think uh, if you if you do any time thinking about it, or studying it or you're experiencing it. 
But for the Liberal Party of Canada, of course, that's not their lens. And for most of the mainstream press, that's not their lens either. And if we don't, if we if we allow politicians to talk about these things separately, then nothing will happen because no way are they going to come out tomorrow and announce a national childcare program. And if they did announce it, it would probably not stand up to the scrutiny that the opposition parties would be able to throw at it at this current moment because it's like, really now is is when you're going to build this? It's going to be at this moment? That's that's very strange. Why wouldn't we start with elder care? Um, and so I feel like it's just a way for the liberals to hide the fact that most of their policies so far have not actually at all uh, made things better uh, and in fact have entrenched patriarchy, has have entrenched white supremacy. And I just want to read for you like a line from the a Canadian press article that's that that was talking about this that has been you know republished by many outlets across Canada. I just love this so much. I mean, you have to have like brain worms to work in the prime minister's office, I think. Um, a senior official in the PMO who spoke to the Canadian press on the condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to speak publicly. It's like, oh, okay, so make this good, man. Says discussions are taking place about how to rebuild the country in a way that is more competitive and resilient with an economy that is quote future proof. What? <laughs> oh my god! What and future. <laughs> I mean, how do you proof against the future? You fucking don't. The future comes no matter fucking what. You can't predict yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you had to like have complete delusion to have like a job uh, working for the Prime Minister of Canada. But they confirmed that key aspects of the of future proofing our economy uh, would be vulnerabilities in the elder care system. It's like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? And uh, ch- and childcare is a key aspect of these discussions, which will be interesting to see what that actually means. Well, look, you know, as you say, like this is not something that they can announce right now, which is why it. And you know, I'm a cynic, of course, with uh, politicians and their promises, uh, especially coming from the Liberal Party, but. Uh, that's why I think it's the perfect thing for them to focus on right now, because they're probably like, yeah, y'all, we don't want to spend any more money, but we need something that sounds real good so we can continue talking in the media about how we're doing the thing. We're doing the thing. We're doing the thing that the people need, and we need to be talking about that. So they come up with something that sounds real good. This uh, recession is affecting women in a different way than it's affecting everybody else. And we need to do something about that. So what will the announcement probably look like? Like, what are they going to announce? Maybe a study, a study of how this is affecting women. They'll do that (laughs) for the next couple of years, or which is perfect timing, right? Because the economy is not coming back, or we are uh, are not supposed to be re-entering the world in the same way for you know, people are saying a a year or two, right? And what's in a year or two? Okay, that would be about the start of the next federal election, right? And then they'll announce the child care program as a promise for the next election. That's my prediction. Yeah, we've we've made many predictions on this show. Many of them correct. <laughs> so you heard it here <laughs> first. <laughs> I just, I, I can't imagine any other way that they would be uh, tackling this as an idea of how, how to discuss the recession. Um, but the fact that they are talking about it, uh, you know, in official circles as a recession affecting mostly women, not saying it, um, uh, means that they do they must be uh, uh, coming up with some sort of plan around how they're going to actualize uh, this into some sort of campaign. Um, but I don't see like what is possible in terms of a campaign 
uh, that is meaningful, uh, that just affects women right now. Besides, and, and you know, they're talking about childcare in the news. So uh, the only other thing I can think of is like a spe- special training programs, like uh, p- potentially like just focused on women uh, being retrained. Uh, but right now, when a lot of education seems to be going online for the foreseeable future, like I, I just, I don't know, like what, how else are they going to use this besides fodder for another campaign? I can't, I can't think of something. Am I missing something? Well, no, because the things that they would that they should do, they won't do, right? So, like, here are some things that they could do. They could have expanded the serve and given women more money than men, <laughs> like straight up. Oh. Uh, Nora, right? <laughs> Nora, come on! I mean, may, uh, it's just an idea. They could have tiered the CERB to give more money to people who are low income, which would have had uh, the the same impact or a similar impact on on targeting women, uh, just de facto, but also targeting people who need it the most, which would have been sweet. They they didn't do that. They they went with the CERB, which we criticized before in this episode. They they could have um, you know not had a wage subsidy the way that they that they have basically bankrolled people's wages because wages are already segregated based on gender, based on on race. And so all that they did was give like rewarded corporations for differentially paying women and and men uh, with public money. So, I mean, they could have thought of their wage subsidy in a different way. They could also be fast tracking people into apprenticeships in the healthcare system to help Mm -hmm. relieve the pressure on who's working in the healthcare system and paid people to study. I mean, this is the whole other thing is like higher education, as you say, is going to be online for a while. And I I expect, I mean, if if, if our society is rational, which it's not, so fine. What we should be doing is literally paying people to apprentice in like traditionally apprenticeable jobs like patient attendance, like nursing, like childcare. I mean, these are jobs you don't need to go to university for. You can learn them doing them. Right. And it's kind yeah. of like the moment for us to look kind of go back to the future and say, do we have we over credentialized these these jobs while at the same time creating this massive gulf between the low, the quote unquote, low skilled, the low wage positions that are also kind of holding the systems up. We could permanently open up uh, the the exceptions that they've made for some people who have been educated elsewhere, not in Canada, um, who are, again, mostly racialized, who have a credential to uh, practice medicine or some form of healthcare elsewhere, but not here because Canada doesn't recognize them. There's another thought. Yeah, they also could fast track people's citizenship who are here uh, through the temporary foreign worker program who are doing care work. Uh, and uh, fast-track citizenship to folks who arrived as asylum seekers, like just straight up. And a lot of those folks have found themselves in these industries, in in the care industries. But there's no reason under this crisis, and there's no reason out of this crisis either, that the liberals wouldn't be talking about that. But because we have, I mean, noted feminist Marian Monsef as the the minister of women and gender equality... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she, I mean, I, I just can't stand Monsef, like, for so many reasons, partly because she just is, like, exactly like every single young liberal that I ever had to endure when I was in university, and somehow she young liberaled herself <laughs> into a cabinet position. Um, but she, in this Canadian press story, she was also quoted in another interview, and I just think it is so, like, awesome how they talk about this stuff, because it really is illustrative on what they're thinking and and indicating that your prediction is 100 percent what's going to happen. So she said access to skilled labor was already a challenge before COVID, and we cannot afford to lose women who choose to work 
because of lack of available, affordable, high-quality childcare. This will be fundamental to restarting our economy. It's like... You, you've been in fucking government for... Yeah. Seven years now? Like, shut up. You should not sound like a lobbyist when you're talking. You are literally the minister responsible for this. And this isn't a, this isn't a new Stop problem. <laughs> that, that is not new or brought on by the recession. That is like, oh, gosh. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's disrespectful <laughs> to assume, <laughs> to assume that the public can't see through something like this. And I, I hate it. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to say <laughs> about that quote. I just, it, um, it's so dishonest, uh, uh, because at some level, whoever's making the policy up there must know um, that uh, this has always been a uh, a factor in our economy and must also know that this is not something that they can fix immediately. But what we need right now is for the government to focus on fixes immediately. Like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> you want to help with the recession and the amount of uh, like spending power that people will have coming out of this, fucking put a moratorium on rent. Just fucking do it. <laughs> God, what are you <laughs> right? Like, that. just do the obvious shit. Like, people, um, you know, sure, there's going to be some sector of society that hears you talking about uh, focusing on women during this economy and think, man, that Justin Trudeau, so great. So great. And maybe that's the only base that you're playing to. But most people right now are literally as, you know, we're, we're sitting here <laughs> in, on May 24th recording this, are thinking, okay, we're getting close. What am I going to do on June 1st? Like, that's what you need to be talking about. These, we all know that that is the biggest part of people's expenditure yeah. is their living expenses. And y'all haven't dealt with that yet. And I'm not even just talking about the federal government there. I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but that's a big issue. You want to talk about issues that women face? Like there's a big issue for women right now, especially those of us who are forced to live in uh, difficult situations with partners who uh, are perhaps abusive. Like there's, there's a big situation that you could be focusing on. Fix that problem. Every level of government, government should be focused on this. And if you you argue that, you know, there's no money to do it and maybe, you know, like there's there's um, small uh, like people like land landlords who only own one or two and they're, they're going to be put out of, I don't know, whatever, like all of the justifications that people have, like put a moratorium on mortgages, too. And hey, if you can't afford it because of like property taxes or whatever, Reduce the police budget. Look, I have so many ideas, <laughs> you know, so many ideas about how you could actually, um, uh, you know, affect how people are being uh, affected right now during this crisis. And th this this kind of facade of how they're going to use women, really just use women uh, to try to appear as though they're doing something. It just makes me so frustrated. I was uh, walking down the street today, one of the streets that's have been that's been closed in Quebec City thanks to the crisis, which is great. And a car was driving towards us and we were like, what the fuck? Why is this car here? Oh, hey, why is he driving towards us? The street's closed. And there's a cop like literally right beside us. And we're like, wow, good that we're paying for him to not do 
anything. <laughs> he's just sitting there and <laughs> right? his car is still on and we're like, oh, he's going to make a fast getaway in case someone puts out an APB or whatever the fuck. And as we're like cursing this 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 situation as the car is still coming towards us, uh, I looked in the car and there's another cop sitting there <laughs> waving at my kids, being like, hey, kids, I'm a cop, right? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think well, we can it's get it's rid just of that been budget. so annoying to yeah, it's just been so annoying to read like all of this uh, stuff uh, uh, about like the TTC right now, um, the transit system in Toronto, and how they can't afford uh, to to really continue, and they're desperate for money from other um, uh, other uh, sources from the from the province from the fe- federal government. Or they're going to have to, like, reduce service by 50% and who knows for how long or whatever. And it's just like, reduce the police budget. <laughs> like, just maybe take the money from elsewhere that's not needed right now. Yeah. Like, please? Hello? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It, like, it's these fe- these folks would just, like, crumble under actual rocket science because the... Uh... <laughs> the other thing that I think is really important to underline here is that there's nothing that different about this recession as in recessions always hurt not just white men. And it's it's more of the media right now coming to this realization that the way they talk about recessions is very gendered and is very classed and is 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 embedded in white supremacy, that they're always worried about that 45-year-old white man who's lost his job at a factory, right, thanks to free trade. And that is the kind of recession that has been the dominant narrative for so long. But it's just like even that isn't true. Like Every recession has always disproportionately hurt the lower income people in society. Always. There's no recession. Absolutely. Like what what fucking recession was it where like everyone who's making minimum wage recovered by making double minimum wage? Like <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah. And and the recessions that have happened like in the 1980s where it was one of the first times where where women like women's issues were front and center so women were able to talk about what the impact of their lives were because of the recession in the 1980s. That that like started a national conversation that was fucking 30 years ago and we still didn't catch up mentally and so we had to have recessions throughout the 1990s and free trade focused on as I said factory closures and and all these men who were put out to work and even in the the recession in Alberta where the 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 global gas prices have have like just put so many people out on the street from jobs it's like when you ignore the role that like women or women's quote unquote women's work plays in a society, then yeah, maybe all you care about is like the high unemployment among men. But we also could just as easily look at it as, okay, what are the jobs uh, where uh, wages are stagnant, where people are struggling and are always in a recession who never have had good Mm -hmm. economic times? And when you have a bad economic situation, what are the role of those like the partners of the people who lose their jobs, their role often are, are women, often are working in healthcare, working in education, in the public service or in retail. And their job is the one that's keeping their family afloat, except the, the focus is so much always on that, that. Oh, isn't it just so bad? Because we have this entitlement in our minds that every able bodied white man of the age of 45 to 50 has that that right to a good job, a job that he's worked for really, really fucking hard. Uh, to get a good salary. <laughs> and can you believe that these global forces are just so mean to these men that they were laid off? And 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 somehow now with this she session fucking bullshit, uh, the whole reality of how we talk about recessions always 
is obscured by the fact that it's like, oh, no, but this is really hurting women. This this recession's really hurting women. Finally, a fucking pink recession. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Ew. But I bet the... um I bet the campaign uh, fucking lit that they come up with will be pink. I bet it will be. Yeah, I see it. I can I can see it now. <laughs> Ew. This is such an important moment for so many reasons. And, and one of those reasons is it really does hold um, a magnifying glass up to society. Not the least of which because we have nothing else to do but do a lot of thinking and reflecting on what the hell's going on. Uh, if we're not the ones on the front lines, like, you know, risking our lives to to, to survive this. But like th- this, this, the the crisis has laid bare who society values and who society does not value. Right. Society clearly does not value the elderly, the the folks who have disabilities, folks who have to live in residential care, folks who might be a, in residential mm-hmm. care against their will. Folks who are in this, the care of care, quote unquote, of border services in the correctional system. And then you look at the people who are dying. And and even this has had such a little, such little, little attention that, you know, it's like who where the journalists covering this stuff, who who is is writing about these things. There was an article by Kate Allen in the Toronto Star this past weekend. I'm not sure if you saw it. It, it went kind of everywhere. And it was about one of the health workers who uh, who has died because of COVID. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so it covers uh, it covers what happened with Leonard Rodriguez, who's a who was a, a residential support worker. Uh, he was 61 years old and a member of Unifor, the union, uh, and he's black. And he lost his life. Uh, after calling 911 and 911 was like, call telehealth, which is something that never happens. Like telehealth is usually being like, go to the hospital. Your toe is purple. That's not good. Go to the hospital. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his death um, got a lot of attention because clearly his family was was talking to journalists. Like there's a lot of personal photos that were shared with the journalist. And so that, that suggests that the family was cooperating. But not all families will cooperate with journalists for a whole bunch of reasons. And so we don't get that kind of portrait for a lot of the people who have died. And as of today, May 24th, uh, 18 people have died uh, because of COVID. And of those 18 people, five have been black men, three have been black women, Three have been Filipino or Filipina and three have been white. Three we don't know. Wow. Yeah. And and, and it's like this is this is not headline news. Like there's a, a one story in the Toronto Star because there's a family that's willing to participate and there's a journalist who's on it. But the the impact, I mean, this is not a crisis of women's work. This is a crisis of white supremacy and of capitalism patriarchy i would put probably number three (laughs) yeah and if we don't actually talk about it in these terms then we completely miss the real ravages that the system has had and has and will have going forward and no amount of pinkwashing this discussion no amount of ridiculous uh, nomenclature that is invented to talk about the recession will get around the fact that the people risking their lives uh Oftentimes, with people without status, there has been at least one person who arrived in Canada as a refugee at Roxham Road in 2017 who's lost his life. And he was working five days a week at a textile factory and two days a week as a personal care attendant in, in Montreal. 
Well, look, this is the reason why this type of thinking is so dangerous is because it, it misses the the actual root of what the problems are. And if you miss the actual root, you are not going to be able to solve it. Like, I just feel like so many of the issues uh, that need to be addressed coming out of this crisis, during this crisis, even before this crisis even began, are so obvious. And it is like the policymakers are doing everything that they can uh, to ignore those obvious fixes. And I don't, you know, at, at a time during like prior to what month are we on now? Prior to four months ago, like I can see ideologically why they were doing that. I don't agree, but I understand what fuckery forces are forcing them to ignore the, the obvious solutions to these things. But I don't understand it now. Like, who? What are you? What are you doing? Why are you trying to avoid the very obvious fixes? This is this stuff isn't going to get better. It's going to continue to get worse, and that eventually is going to impact even the most comfortable of people in the political sphere. Okay, like maybe it won't impact Jeff Bezos. Okay, but it will impact people who are in the upper to middle class of our society because they rely on the exploitation of all of every everybody else. Okay, they just (laughs) how it works. And so, if this thing is going to go on for as long as everyone is saying, like, why are you avoiding solving this problem? Why are you avoiding the most the easiest fixes? Uh, And Perhaps I shouldn't say that they're easy. Why are you avoiding the most obvious fixes and going with the easiest, like most out there, outlandish non-fixes? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And it just, not just that it doesn't make any sense to me, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. And I, I don't, you know, like all of these people who are uh, most in danger uh, are, people that prop up this entire society, they make this entire economy run, and uh, they are dying without consideration from people who are supposed to be keeping us safe, as safe as possible through something like this. And it is... It is unforgivable, and I, I, like, when, when... When are they going to be the focus? You know, not just for politicians, but also for journalists, too, who are, you know, continuing to ask questions about when we can open up and how we can open up and who is at Trinity Bellwoods and how many people are going to the beach and when can we go to the beach and when can we go to the island and when can we whatever go to the cottage? I don't know. Sure. But can we please talk about these people who need to have some focus right now because they're the ones who are going to be dying, who are dying? And quite frankly, we're the the amount of focus um, uh, on uh, who are being affected by uh, in terms of their health and who is going to be affected in terms of the uh, the economy uh, needs to be broader than something that that's just like a, a, a she session. How 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 fucking dishonest? How dishonest? 